Good morning, everyone. My name is Linda Santavica. Today on Pressing Beyond, we are going to be speaking with someone who loves adventure, loves risk-taking, and lives out his true purpose, Phil Ventresca. Phil is the type who is fueled by endless opportunities, not just in the business world, but in the outdoors as well. He and his wife, Tony, built Advanced Management Services, also known as AMS Consulting, a thriving business in the Boston area with a global footprint. More than top-tier professionals, Phil and Tony are avid adventure seekers. They love to motorcycle through all sorts of scenic and challenging routes, jeep across dunes on the Cape, and backcountry ski. Phil is also a licensed, commercially rated pilot and Coast Guard six-pack captain. Given Phil's quest for adventure, he is fueled not just by adrenaline, but by the values he lives by. Today, Phil is going to tell us about a special excursion he experienced that not just changed his perspective on life, but transformed the way he now sees himself. This excursion takes place in Chamonix, France. It is a dream destination all year round. However, in the winter, it is the epicenter for skiers given the well-renowned Valle Blanche, which is more than just a ski run. It entails crossing along the knife edge of the mountain while harnessed to a rope, then skiing down the Colère, which takes you across the glacier. But I am going to let Phil take us there. Good morning, Phil, and welcome to Pressing Beyond. Good morning, Linda, and thank you for having me as a guest. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm glad you're here. Well, we discussed that we often have to press beyond some roadblocks to achieve our aspirations. Whether it's personal or professional, nothing great happens without some sort of risk. You have many incredible memories that would encourage and inspire anyone to find purpose. But I want to talk about that one excursion that took you out of your familiar and comfortable environment. The place I am referring to is a location where you and I have both experienced, yet at different times, and for two very different reasons. Let's go to Chamonix. Start with the purpose, the reason why you went there, and what was so compelling about Chamonix? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I, I have several friends who reside in Chamonix and uh, that I've shared quite a few backcountry skiing excursions with in the past. So my awareness of uh, the region was quite high and it was always kind of a, a bucket list for me to go and attend. However, uh, the reason that really provoked me to go at this particular time uh, didn't have much to do with uh, that bucket list item, but it was more a, a self-prescription, uh, so to say, uh, to uh, develop some deeper uh, aspect of self-awareness and really complement my own internal drive to uh, foster further growth uh, from a leadership perspective as an entrepreneur and uh, as someone who's leading a group of individuals globally uh, to satisfy uh, high-end clients. I think what the trigger was, uh, really, my mom had passed away literally several months before I made the final decision to go. And she was relatively young, just 68 years old at the time. 
and that made me step back a little bit and reflect on uh, just how fragile uh, life is and uh, maybe kind of weigh out some of the priorities that I might be fueled by uh, being a type A personality entrepreneur, uh, serial entrepreneur with several businesses. I think I realized in myself that uh, being driven uh, by adrenaline or classified as an adrenaline junkie, as you had stated, uh, being a pilot, being a captain, uh, you know, doing uh, adventure and off-road motorcycling and so forth. What I wanted to assess is why did I require that to fulfill? Uh, how did that transcend itself into my leadership style? And what was it really giving me as a message uh, in the way of uh, uh, leadership? And maybe I think what I was trying to do was find a place on the planet where you felt small and vulnerable. And I think that vulnerability is an important aspect of uh, the leadership and I think that uh, for some people, it takes something a little bit more extreme, especially those of us that are entrepreneurs and successful in our own right. Uh, it uh, almost creates a situation where you have to go a little further beyond. But I wanted to make sure I was doing it for the right reasons. So I think, you know, to your first question, that's really what compelled me uh, to take on that challenge. Uh, Shamini uh, certainly offered up the both the environment. Um, uh, the risk uh, profile, managed risk, uh, certainly, and uh, also uh, the opportunity to be in a natural environment that was really going to make me pay attention uh, to that self-awareness and, and understand that I wasn't in control. And that was so important for me at that time in my own leadership development to realize that I could not control everything. And it was going to require a different set of competencies to make sure that I was influencing the situation appropriately, uh, really to stay alive. So I hope that gives you the right profile, but that's where I was coming from at the time. Given that you are really, I mean, you're very much fueled by your energy and the adrenaline, and you've always said that, you know, you were always one who wanted to go higher, faster, and further. It's interesting that you chose a place like Chamonix, because Chamonix is the landscape where you do require the energy, you know, where people see, you know, they see the mountains and they want to go higher. They want to go faster. You know, they want to embrace all that. So it's interesting that they have all this that encourage us to do all that. It's yet a location that makes us feel insignificant. Yeah, very, very true. And I think the, the control, it's interesting you look at it from that perspective, because I think the control um, it makes you evaluate what control is. I think it makes you evaluate what can you control, where a lot of times when you're driven by ego or you're driven by adrenaline um, or you fall into this false sense of security that you are always in control. And that's where people get hurt or, uh, or make bad decisions that hurt other people. And I think what, uh, what happens in an environment like Chamonix is you end up evaluating very carefully what you can control. So within that sphere of influence and, you know, for anybody listening that owns or runs or even manages in a business, I think you'll find that, you know, really important as your uh, careers uh, develop and as you develop as leaders, because uh, having a, a true reality barometer on that uh, is really what sharpens the edges from a, a leadership standpoint. Here you are now, you're going to Chamonix, the Chamonix challenge. It's not a ski vacay but it was a three-day endeavor, not just a simple outing, but it was complex. You told me that you needed that. What did this Chamonix challenge entail? 
Well, there was a lot of uh, preparation, not only from the physical perspective, but emotionally and, and intellectually as well. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, as part of the exercise in trying to become self-aware, uh, you have to accept that uh, there is a bit of fear involved in that. And knowing how to manage through fear and uncertainty, I mean, take a look at the situation that we all find ourselves in today with the mm -hmm. crisis. I think that, you know, I'm drawing on a lot of that information that I kind of pre-programmed into my mind uh, during the Shamani experience right now to learn how to have a steady and uh, balanced approach to uh, risk, uh, how to mitigate the risk, and how to understand where your risk parameters are, and then don't let fear constrain that. So managing that very finite balance between what is real risk management and what is fear, because mm -hmm. there you're really crossing the lines between logic and emotion. And as leaders, we struggle there quite frequently. Um, and I think that, you know, maintaining that awareness and understanding where that exact line, the reality of that line is, is very important. As far as preparation, you know, in general, Certainly, there was the planning of the trip and the three routes that we did, uh, being Latour, the, uh, one of the more difficult descents and ascents on, on the Valle Blanche, and uh, being in Bravant, which was on piste, uh, really is kind of the warm-up day. But understanding what the terrain was, understanding what the weather was and the environment, because as you ascend up Mount Blanc and you know you've been there, yes. uh, weather is everything. You know, when we get off the Aguidi de Midi and we started to come out onto the knife edge through that tunnel, uh, the wind was blowing at you know, 40 or 50 knots and uh, basically a whiteout. So you're dealing with a situation where it's extremely cold, high altitude, uh, and at the same time, you have zero visibility. So the physical uh, preparation for that, knowing that I'd be above the 8,000 foot uh, altitude mark for an extended period of time was important, but then exerting yourself physically. So it required a couple of months of conditioning ahead of time. I had to uh, make sure that on the U.S. side, my guide who was meeting me in Chamonix uh, put me in touch with some mountaineers here in the United States. And we did a lot of work with crampons and, uh, you know, different hiking situations and backcountry scenarios to get ready. Because as I said, we were planning a couple of more of the challenging Roots and then, uh, and then I think you know finally the emotional part of it as I started uh, this this portion with is overcoming that fear because certainly is a, there is a nervousness uh, mm -hmm. associated with it. So I needed to become comfortable with the guides that I was going with, um, as well as just internalizing some sense of stability in the way my emotions were interacting and reminding myself constantly as to why I was doing this. Because I found myself slipping back into, hey, I'm really excited about this because it's another adventure. And I found my adrenaline side of the equation taking over. Uh. So I actually had to work on reminding myself that it's not about that. It's about every moment in the experience to realize how you can make better decisions, manage fear, manage uncertainty, and you know establish this new level of uh, entrepreneurial leadership that was really so important to me. So that was my preparation. And it was really, oh, I would say probably three months prior to me actually landing on the ground in Geneva and starting the trek up to uh, Chamonix Fans. And I know that the actual trek that you had in the three days. Specifically, was there anything that happened that changed your perspective? I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, they get on a chairlift and they look out and then they realize, 
oh my goodness, I'm not as big as I thought I was. Yeah, well, you know, and you've you've been there, and for anybody listening that has not, it's really an awe-inspiring visual as you, uh, you know, flying into Geneva, just coming over the Alps, it's certainly beautiful, but then when you land on the ground and you start you know, driving back up to Chamonix, France, and then when you get there to the village and you're looking up because you're in what's called a box canyon, it starts to settle in just mm-hmm. exactly how, how unforgiving the environment is. And then you sense the energy where, you know, in the town you have other very, you know, high-end, certainly higher than I was at the time, high-end athletes that are uh, really pushing the limits. Because Chamonix, as you know, is kind of a mecca for uh, extreme sports, and both in the winter and and in the summer all year round. So you have quite a mix of individuals that you meet, and um, that's part of the learning experience as well. So I think that, um, you know, it really just started to kind of settle in for me that uh, this was going to be a true challenge, yet it was a challenge that brought in that life or death experience, very similar to, you know, where I found myself, whether I was in the cockpit of an airplane or, you know, 40 miles offshore on a motor yacht, uh, you know, and, and I needed that to really just continue to intellectually stimulate what was going on. But here, uh, I actually felt a lot less in control. If I was flying an airplane or capturing a yacht, I felt like I had a fairly high degree of control. Here, I didn't feel I had much control. And that, that was the big challenge to it. I think sometimes when we are, you know, in a race car, a motorboat, or, you know, we do have control, we can turn off the engine, slow down when we turn a curve. But I think, you know, when we're in the face of a mountain and mother nature, you don't know what you're skiing above or through. We never know, like you said, weather conditions play a big part in this. Yeah, well, you know, a big, something I'll just throw into that, Linda, just to give you a little perspective on it. Um, one week prior to my departure, uh, one of my friends, uh, Jan, who was going to be part of my guide team, uh, was out on the Valle Blanc on uh, one of the routes that we were going to take. And um, he broke through and fell into a cl- And when he did that, he spiral fractured both of his legs. Oh, At that yes. time, uh, it was snowing quite heavily and they couldn't bring air rescue in. And he spent uh, close to 40 hours um, about a hundred feet down and uh, the person he was with put the rope down they were bringing him you know food and water as necessary they had marked on the gps where he was but literally uh, two people were out in the elements and that happened at about 7,500 feet. So Oof. they were below that 8,000 foot mark, but they were still up high. It was still cold and he had to survive there. Um, so Jan obviously was not part of the um, guide party. When I went back, I did have an opportunity to meet with him several times in, in the town and share that experience. But you know, that also brought another level of reality to me mm-hmm. uh, because that was just a collapse on what they call an ice bridge that happens mm-hmm. quite frequently over the rolling points of the glacier mm-hmm. where it, you know, nothing is marked up there. It's not like a marked ski trail and you're basically going. Oh, you're skiing uh, on, blind. Uh, 
you're skiing blind and you know you're you're skiing through markers that the guides have put up over the year to identify where the weak points are on those glacial bridges but you know who knows what what that really looks like so there again just to underscore you know those are the unknown risks that you can't really control and then the reality of having someone close to me have a you know a severe accident just a week prior to my arrival there uh, made it even more real for me and you know if you align this with life in general there are risks that we with good intent we take for a good outcome. And then there's those unknown risk, what we're going through right now. Okay, so Chamonix happened a while ago, yet it was life-changing for you. Mm-hmm. I wanna know what your outcome of the experience, how did it change your outlook on the way you see yourself and the way you perceive life in general? Yeah, I would. I think it, it saved my business, uh, to be honest with you, and I don't mean to sound dramatic about that, but I knew at the moment that, uh, you know, I, I brought this challenge on that things were changing significantly for me. We had had some turnover in the business, and, you know, keep in mind, we've been in business now almost 30 years, so uh, I wasn't new at this, and I felt myself maybe becoming a little complacent, a little arrogant, and those aren't good qualities for a leader to have. And not only did I see that showing up in my decision-making uh, protocols and criteria, but I felt it kind of oozing out into the way I was interacting with people around me as well, family, friends, and uh, colleagues. And that certainly will end up in a good place. So if you take all of that, you know, mix in some changes in the business uh, with, you know, different um, longtime people leaving and clients coming on and clients coming off, uh, I just felt a pivot point. I felt a tipping point where I knew something was going to have to happen to ensure that the business had sustainability and continuity going forward. And I needed to make a decision. Uh, you know, what am I doing with AMS at the time? Because at that point in time, you know, with PTV equity and a couple of other ventures, uh, I had options. I could do different things. And, you know, my my real love and my true commitment was, was to AMS. So for me, Linda, to answer that question directly, it, it did really cast the future trajectory. And we're only talking, you know, five years ago. Uh, and it's taken me five years to really see the benefits of what happened in Chamonix. And that required a lot of patience, which I can, you know, say that I'm not the most patient person uh, on the planet. So it's been difficult for me to continue stepping back, reminding myself that it's a process, it takes time, and then you work in the current, you know, crisis on top of it, and you you still have to keep that uh, that level hand. So you know, that's what has resulted here is a more structured, organized uh, level uh, business, one that offers our clients more continuity and sustainability. And I think since we are leadership consultants, in essence, whether we're doing consulting or training, it's allowed me to craft our solutions and craft our team uh, in a different way and make sure that we have the uh, maturity within our own culture to guide some of our, you know, very large global enterprise clients the right way. Uh, and, and that's a big outcome. To change the trajectory of a business mm-hmm. with almost a 30-year legacy that services Fortune 100 clients uh, and can do that with purpose and then to be able to maintain it, um, to me, Shamani was the greatest investment 
that I made in the business and myself, because I don't separate the two. An entrepreneur shouldn't separate the two. I look at, you know, being an entrepreneur is creating opportunities for other people. Uh, therefore, I have the obligation to lead with the same level of maturity and essence that the culture of the business has. And that's what Charmony did for myself and in turn the business. You know, we all face challenges personally, professionally, even more so now with this time of uncertainty. And while you say you're not patient, you don't quit. I think, you know, when we stay the course and we press beyond all those obstacles and we stay in something to live out our true purpose, I think that does give us patience. Right now, with everything that's going on globally, there are a lot of people out there that are very overwhelmed by jobs being eliminated, businesses are bellying up. What would you say to anyone who's facing these greatest challenges today? What would be your words of encouragement, some wisdom, uh, some takeaway? Because your business has been thriving through all of this. I mean, it hasn't, you know, there hasn't been much shift for you. So what would you say to people out there who are going through their most difficult times? Well, I would think, you know, the easiest and most macro statement would be perseverance. And underneath perseverance, I would underscore that you have to believe in yourself. Uh, if you don't believe in yourself, everything you say to yourself is a lie. So, and you know that the subconscious knows that. So although you may be able to convince yourself that you're confident, your behaviors and your actions will come out as though they're timid and kind of um, reserved. And thus you will not be 100% maximizing or optimizing your capabilities. So I think perseverance with that underscore of being true uh, to yourself in the sense of, of being confident. Uh, the other thing that I would say, because uncertainty weighs heavily. And even the best of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, sometimes need a plan. I mean, I need a plan. So what is it you're planning for? Right. And if you can't see that far ahead, if it's, if it's that murky, it's difficult to create those plans. And to that, I would say, plan in smaller increments. So for example, you know, when I was flying a cross-country flight, uh, in a piston aircraft, if I was flying into Van Nuys Airport in California from Boston, I'm not thinking about Van Nuys. I'm thinking about, you know, somewhere in Ohio and Columbus because that's my first stop. And then all I'm worrying about is Norwood, Massachusetts to Columbus, Ohio. Well, that's not a big deal. I can figure that out. And then when I land there, then I'm thinking about that next leg. I think it's important for people to really look at incremental advancements. Uh, you know, in, in the Japanese business culture, there's a word called kaizen, small incremental improvements and incremental movements. And so many times uh, in the Western mindset, we tend to look at those big leaps. And if we don't make the big leap and succeed, we get then discouraged. we haven't succeeded. Yeah, yeah you get discouraged. And um, in a time of crisis, it's so important not to do that. But now it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but you also need to still have that out in front of you. So never forget that you need to make that cross-country flight, but also never forget that your first stop is really what you have to uh, what you have to focus on. And I think the third and, and final item that I would say to answer that is maintain a positive and optimistic attitude. It's so easy to be skewed by media or be skewed by 
you know, uh, public uh, uprising or, or what you see, but step back and keep things in perspective and understand that sphere of influence that you have and then stretch that sphere of influence to where maybe you didn't think you could make an impact. And that might be as simple as helping a neighbor or, you know, being there for a colleague, but be willing to be a steward of your cause. So find that purpose, uh, really focus on it and embrace it, and then become a steward for it, a selfless leader. And I think if you can put those three items together and really mobilize your actions from a day-to-day basis, you're going to find that you'll get through the crisis uh, a lot easier. I, I you know, put an asterisk around easy because none of it is easy you'll lower your own stress level. And when your stress level is lower, you'll find that you'll be able to lead and manage more effectively. And Linda, I can apply that across really any adventure, any activity, or any business dealing. And I'm not you know, going to share with your listeners that I've always gotten it right because I can roll back the clocks. You know, I have a lot of time and I'm still relatively young. And I started this business when I was young mm-hmm. where I did not abide by that. And, uh, you know, it certainly did not play out well for or um, uh, some of the decisions I made. So I'm speaking to the audience today from uh, an experiential perspective that's uh, maturated over time, not something that I just picked up in a book. Uh, It's real stuff. And and those are the three recommendations I would certainly uh, leave behind. I am writing down some notes here. You have educated me through this one podcast. Phil, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I also want to say... Uh, hopefully, Ed and I will hook up with you and Tony and Chamonix. But we'll do. That would be great. But we'll do a simple ski vacation <laughs> and go out to dinner. <laughs> I I would uh, I would love that very much. And again, I'd like to thank you for your professionalism and the fact that you've taken the initiative. Uh, to start this uh, endeavor in these times, because I think so many people can benefit from the aspirations that I think uh, you'll be collecting from uh, your various uh, uh, group of speakers. And it's certainly doing a great justice to, to the people out there. So thank you for having me. It's been, uh, it's been great. And uh, I'm always uh, looking forward to working with you and, and available for, for these as, as needed. Thank you. Well, well, we will have you back. Thank you, Phil, from AMS Consulting, and we'll talk to you soon.